years ago when most of the folks were down in Austin and, and uh, brother was going to have a workshop and teach some young boys how to work with uh, metal. And they were going to use some uh, torches and cutting torches, so he wanted to demonstrate to them the chemistry involved here. And again, they're working with the cutting torch that uses acetylene and oxygen. And he decided, I think in hindsight, maybe had sick of punch, but he decided to put one balloon with oxygen, one balloon with acetylene, and one with both. And he wanted to show them what was going to happen. He, he had been in the middle building, and it was a workshop, and he, he lit his torch, he ignited the balloon that had the oxygen, and made a little pop. And then he ignited the balloon with the acetylene, and made a little bit louder pop. But when he hit the flame, that, that balloon that had the oxygen and the acetylene, it exploded and shook the whole building. And the, the rapid metal was shaking, the dirt and dust was falling, and it, it startled everybody pretty dramatically. And when these brothers were talking, I just I remember that. And I, I remember when you're standing there facing some kind of big problem, and all you think you've got is just your little deal, you know. You, you don't realize that you mix your faith with the promise of God. Some big things can start happening. <laughs> And, and, and separately, they don't seem like much, but when you combine those two, all of a sudden you get explosive material. Amen. Amen. And that's what happened on the dead Amen. That's exactly what happened. Their faith was combined with the promise of God, and all of a sudden the impossible became possible. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's what I feel with the brother speaking. When you said that, Brother Warren, I handed my notes to Brother Daniel because something I had written down right before the meeting was this paragraph. Life-transforming powers and forces, miracles and dynamics of victory materialize when the word of promise combines in a chemical reaction with your faith. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask you something about faith because we know that that's what's necessary ultimately. We can't do God's will without faith. But look at all the things that the Bible tells us can be done with faith. Amen? Romans 4.17 says, God says, I have made you a father of many nations. And Paul says, He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that are not as though they were. 1 Corinthians 1.28 says, God chooses the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not. He chooses the things that are not, that aren't there, in order to nullify the things that are so that no flesh may boast before him. Amen? I want to talk to you just briefly about faith. We all know that faith is believing God's Word, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We all accept that. I believe that there's something in our human-centered perspective that causes our faith to be stillborn. It's not as effective as it's supposed to be based on the promises of the Word of God. 
I want to ask you a simple question. We all have had opportunity, have had occasion to believe someone in our lives. Think about it. We've all had to believe somebody, right? We all have to believe something that we can't verify with our firsthand experience. But we talk to them, and they give us reason to believe it, and we believe it. Amen? If I tell you that I've got a Bible in the drawer here in the podium, can you see that Bible? You may have just saw me carefully put it under there, seen me carefully put it under there, but you don't really know that I haven't now pulled it back up on top. You can't see what I can see right here. Okay? Let's say it's important to you. Let's say this isn't a Bible. Let's say it's something that is critical to you. You have to make a choice about believing me. And a lot of things are going to weigh into that choice that you make about believing me. Most importantly, you're going to reflect on my character. Have I proven to be a believable person? If I've tricked you a dozen times, then you may have a smile in the corner of your mouth, but you're not going to be readily going along with me. If I've deceived you, you're certainly not going to. But you're going to be trying to assess, should you believe me, should you not believe me? And believing a person is making an educated guess about what reality is. Amen? But believing God is completely different. It's not making an educated guess about what reality is. It's engaging in such a way as to create reality, determine reality. If God says that there is a promise somewhere, and you don't believe that that promise is there, then for you, it is not there. But if God says there is a promise somewhere, and your neighbor disbelieves it, but you believe it, by faith, you will inherit the promise. It's there. With me, you're trying to decide what is. With God, you're trying to trust and believe what can be. Your faith is not just a mechanism by which to accurately guess what already is. It is a player. It is an active player. It is the oxygen and he is the settling. It is an active player in what might be. It's not just to learn what is. It's to learn what, what can be, what can be created. Now, I, if I told you that there was an ice cream sundae in this podium, would you find that harder to believe than if I told you there was a Bible in here? There's just not very many things that would seem to indicate an ice cream sundae. Maybe an ice cream Wednesday. You would find it very hard to believe. It would take some serious convincing on my part before you believed it. And then finally, when I pulled out the ice cream, you'd all go, oh, I can't believe it. Because your experience would be going against your assumptions. And that happens to us not infrequently. But 
if God tells us that there is a promise hidden somewhere, faith is not to guess whether it's so. If you believe it's so, then it is so. And if you don't believe it's so, and you go open the drawer, it's not so. The person who says, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they read the Word of God, His Word that is eternal, that is forever, and they say, wow, I'd like to try this out, but I'm not sure if it's for real. They can open that drawer a hundred times and they're never going to find the ice cream sundae. Something has to happen that takes it out of the realm of trying to guess what's behind the corner and brings it into the realm of engaging in the God whose word created the universe such that we believe our faith, by our faith, Miracles are materializing in front of us. His word formed everything. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. His word created everything. And when he spoke, the raw material, the elements of the universe, had no resistance to his will, they had complete compliance. But when he speaks to us, because of our experience with habitual weakness or inadequacy or fear, things that scare us, when he speaks to us, we don't have the same compliance. The land and the sea and the light and the darkness, the stars and the galaxies had when he was speaking in that first week of creation. Amen? And because he gave us a free will... He's given us a choice. We have to make a choice concerning to what degree are we going to believe him. How engaged, how compliant, how willing are we going to be when God starts speaking to us? I want to ask you a question. If Abraham's neighbor from Ur, the average citizen of Ur, had been standing with him on the rooftop, when Abraham looked into the endless sky of stars, would that neighbor have heard God's voice and the call to come out? I would submit to you, no, he would not have. When Moses stood before the burning bush, what if Pharaoh had stood there with him? Would he have turned aside to look? Would he have trembled at the sight? Would he have taken his shoes off? Would Pharaoh have heard the word of God? I submit to you that he would not have heard the word of God. Whatever he saw, he would have explained in some way that did not require his fear his obedience, his engagement on any significant level. If Janice and Jambres had grabbed Moses' staff and stretched their arm out over the Red Sea and prayed in the name of Yahweh, would it have parted? If Balaam had touched the rock, would water have come out of it? 
I, I seriously ask you, would water have come out of the rock for Balaam? So you say, well, was the miracle there or was it not there? Well, if the miracle is just there and anybody can touch it, well, then everybody can go try and see what they can do with God. They can reach out their hand and try God. What would have happened if Balaam had touched the rock? Nothing. Nothing would have happened. Does it mean the water wasn't in the rock? Could anybody have touched that rock and seen that miracle in that moment other than those to whom God had spoken, stretch out your staff and touch the rock? Does water spring from rocks on a regular basis? Well, it might come out of in the spring, but upon touching it with a staff, does water come out of a rock? The water is not in the rock until the people believe the water is in the rock. The miracles are there in potential reality. And for someone, they will become realized reality. But only for the people who believe. Who act not to test and see, more to verify their doubts than their faith, but who act with abandoned certainty that God's word is true. The water is in the rock. Amen? Think about this in reverse. Remember the story of the talents? Has it ever struck you that in the story of the talents, Luke 19, he gives out the talents and he comes after a while to collect and some have done business and been faithful and one has not. And the man who has not done business and been faithful, he says something, doesn't he? Because I'm saying it works in reverse also. He says, I knew that you were a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow. And gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And so I hid your talent in this napkin. And what does the Lord say to this man? You thought I was a hard man? Does he not say, to the wise, he will show himself wise. To the shrewd, he will show himself shrewd. What does the Lord respond to this man who claimed that God was a hard man, reaping where he did not sow? Let's first establish, is that true? Can anybody agree with this man that God is a hard master, reaping where he does not sow, gathering where he scatters no seed? So we're in agreement that he's wrong. But what does God say to this man? He says, since you knew that I was a hard man, reaping where I did not sow and gathering where I scattered no seed. Look it up. Luke 19, 22. You should have put my money in the bank. He does not dispute the reality that this man has adopted even of God. Instead, he judges him and he says, even with your reality, you have done wrong. But is it not telling that we can have a perspective of God that determines our whole future, our whole eternity? A perspective 
that views him one way or views him another, and that God may not even dispute with us on that perspective. Is this not the same principle as when the Lord decided to, quote, harden Pharaoh's heart? What did Pharaoh encounter of the Almighty that Moses did not encounter? They encountered the same God. And in both of them, he challenged the same pride. And to both of them, he revealed the same will. But in one of them was a heart of faith. It took a while with Moses, didn't it? Because he wanted his reality to be determined by his strengths or by his weaknesses. Remember when he spoke to the Lord, he gave excuses as to why he was disqualified and all the excuses he gave referred to his weakness. And when the Lord got done speaking to him, he says, Lord, neither before you spoke to me nor after you spoke to me have I become eloquent. He started off by saying, I'm a stumbler, I'm a, I, I stutter. And the Lord rebukes him and it's pretty heavy. And then he tells the Lord, well, nothing's changed. <laughs> neither before you spoke nor after have I become eloquent in speech. And the Lord becomes angry with him. And he changes his perspective and he teaches Moses that the miracle is not based on his ability, but on his belief, his engagement in God's ability. Not a passive belief that says, I know God can do it, like we talked about last week, but an active belief that stretches out your own staff all night long, or whatever it takes to realize the miracle that is waiting to be unlocked when my faith becomes complete. Pharaoh encountered the same God. He had the same opportunity. And he did not present his weaknesses as reasons for why not. He presented his strengths. But ultimately, they both pre presented human flesh as reason for why not. You see, what I'm speaking tonight is not, is no more than a word about how to hear the word of God. This is it. This is what I'm bringing to you tonight. We can sit in the land of plenty. We can hear from Mount Sinai. We can perceive the burning bush. And the difference between it being interpreted as an oddity and a miracle is inside our hearts. And what I want to bring home is that when you say, I'm not sure if it's so, what I want to bring home is that you're right, it's not so. Because in Hebrews 11:6 it says, without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible. The Bible is not there without faith. The water is not in the rock without faith. The sea cannot divide. And to go through the motions, the appearance of compliance, obedience, without faith in your heart, 
is an exercise in futility and a colossal waste of time and energy because the water is not in the rock. The voice is not in the bush. The sea will not part. The Lord is not calling you out of Ur. None of it is real. None of it is possible until you get past that observatory attitude and get into that total obedience belief attitude where you doubt your own senses, but you do not doubt the voice of God. And if you're in that place, then you realize that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So anything is still possible. Amen? Everything is still possible. What did Jesus say to the woman who had been healed of her disease? Your faith has made you well. To the woman who is forgiven of her sins, sins of prostitution, your faith has saved you. Which means apart from her faith, there's no salvation. We ask in English the saying, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? That's not how it works in this scenario. It is a chemical reaction. I put chemical in scare quotes. It is a reaction between spoken energy and faith. And when the two come together, the first chicken is formed. <laughs> Do you understand? The chicken comes first because God spoke it into existence. And miracles come when we believe in the same way. So let me illustrate this one more time. The man laying at the pool, he's a cripple. He's paralyzed. And God says to him, pick up your mat and walk. And I ask you, which comes first? The miraculous healing or that first twitch of his muscle to obey? Had he laid there unresponsive, is it not possible that he could have mocked the rest of his life and say, one time this man named Yeshua came by the pool and he told me to pick up my mat and walk home. <laughs> Which comes first? Has God not told him to do something that is impossible? Without faith, it is impossible. Without faith, there's no miracle in his body. There's no water in the rock. There's no voice in the bush. There's no parting of the sea. But if you have faith and do not doubt, but believe in prayer and faith, believe and ask. Whatever you ask in faith, believe you have received it and it will be granted. Something comes first. In the realm of faith, it happens. In the realm of spirit and mind, it happens. And then it catches up. In the realm of the physical, the realm of action, the realm of material. Whatever God is speaking to us, do we have faith? Can we cultivate the kind of faith that could still form the world, that could still change the world? He calls those things that are not as though they were. What are those things? that he calls. I'm one of those things that he calls. 
that is not as though it were. He calls the paralytic to stand up when he's a paralytic. And we can laugh at the Word of God, or we can believe the Word of God. And if we laugh, or if we test it, try it out, then it's laughable. It's impossible. But if we believe it with all our hearts, all things are possible. What are you seeking tonight? What are you praying for? With what kind of attitude do you hear the voice of God? Do you dare to believe you have received it? Now, granted, we cannot merely claim things that come to our minds, can we? We can pray in faith for God's goodness. We can pray in seeking His will. But ultimately, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So what I'm talking about is strictly a response to when God speaks. Amen? If the paralytic says, you know, I just want to have a believing lifestyle and tries to walk before God's spoken to him, is he going to be able to walk? No, we cannot coerce or conjole God into doing our bidding just because we claim that we're putting him on, under obligation by our faith. That's us taking control, isn't it? But all we have to do is listen. And God is going to speak to us. And when he does, our faith is going to combine with his word to create the very miracle. If we wonder about the miracle, it's not there. Because whoever doubts in his heart, do not doubt in your heart, but believe, Jesus said. The word doubt is diacrino, means to analyze, to assess. It doesn't first and foremost mean to call into question. It means to analyze and to assess, to process it with our natural mind. Jesus said, you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He has been speaking since the first song. Nothing he touches stays the same. He is speaking. He is talking. He is saying things. And there's an attitude that says, I wonder if it's in there. I wonder if it's there. And there's an attitude that says, God, all I have to hear is your voice. And my whole world will be rearranged according to the promise contained therein. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. Speak the word, and I'll be set free from this sin. Speak the word, and I'll find the faith to overcome. Speak the word, and I'll be a different person. Speak the word, and I'll be forgiven. Speak the word, and I'll be clean. Just speak, God. Let us be a kind of people who, as he speaks, we're so believing, we're so right with him that it's happening all around us. Amen? not a question of what is, as if we were believing a man's claim about reality. It's a question of what might be. If God has said it, and we believe it, then the Bible, or whatever the promise is, it will materialize out of sheer impossibility. Amen?
Water can come out of that rock. Amen.
esposa.